This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Today, we're continuing our conversation about live preaching. I'm here again with our communications director, Leslie Bennett, and our preaching pastor extraordinaire, Bernie Cueto. Wow. Extraordinaire. In our last episode, we talked about the why of live preaching, and in this episode, we're going to cover the how. Leslie, why don't you kick this thing off? Because you're the one who helps kind of pull all this together every week at Family sure, Jimmy. Church. It kind of flows from our culture of collaboration, and I do help sort of organize uh, the structure sort that of our preaching it. pastors <laughs> follow. And it does start with our yearly preaching retreat. So each spring we go and we have a preaching retreat. Um, we usually ask for ideas from all of our preaching pastors, and we get those turned in. But then you two sit down, and you go through basically taking those ideas, your own ideas, and set a framework for our preaching retreat. Absolutely. So our guys are praying throughout the year, sensing what the Holy Spirit is leading. They're listening to the people at their church, what their struggles are, where they're lacking, maybe the questions they're asking, but also the questions they're not asking. Mm -hmm. And we'll get together and say, hey, what do we think that would be best? We just finished, you know, right now we're in the middle of a series on Romans. What would be the next, the the best follow up to the specific series, or what are the needs? So a couple of years ago, we really felt like we hadn't done basic Bible doctrine for a while. We told some of our guys that they chatted with some of their people, and we thought, man, you know, at every campus, this would be a beneficial series, and that's really what it is. So it's just prayer, and uh, so listening to the Holy Spirit, but also listening to our our preachers and our members. And then we plan out for 18 months, which I think is really good because it gives us a a framework to work within. And we know where we're going. We know where we're headed. Everybody can work around that because we do have our kids team, our student teams. They also preach what we're preaching. So it helps them to know where we're going. So I think it's a super beneficial system. Yeah. So what we do at the preacher retreat is we pull all of our preachers together, different people that we think would be able to, to speak into it well. Until so we get together and we spend these three or four days, as Bernie said, praying and talking about where our people are and where we want to go. But ultimately, we try to arrive at our preaching calendar for 18 months. And this is what it, it kind of looks like. We have our preaching retreat once a year, mm-hmm. but we plan 18 months out, which means by the time you come to the preaching retreat, six months are already planned, the six mm-hmm. months in front of you. We work really hard at firming up the next six months. So maybe we know all the texts and the dates, but we're going to actually drill down and pick the exact verses we're going to preach on for every one of those Sundays. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll try to set these into series Mm -hmm. so that we can frame them up for our people. We'll try to come up with the main ideas Mm -hmm. for each series and each sermon all the way through. We'll bring in some creative folks who will then try to speak into ways we can present the series more effectively, both in the room and in terms of advertising the series to our church and to our community. So all of this gets done on the preaching retreat. So we plan 18 months out, which means at the end of the retreat, we'll be 18 months out, but we'll spend the next year churning through that 18 months. And we come to the next retreat, we'll only be six months ahead. That's right. And I think what's powerful about that is you already have 
Uh, it's kind of has the same effect of a lectionary. You already have your texts, your main ideas, your dates, your series all set for the next 18 months. And I think it's a really helpful thing when you try to think ahead and it gives everybody the opportunity to plan ahead, to think ahead and to mm-hmm. study ahead for whatever's coming up. Well, and if you've ever preached, I know before we followed this model, we were most of our energy was going on. What am I going to say? What text am I going to right. pick? Mm-hmm. Well, when you're 18 months in advance, you have so much margin, mm-hmm. margin for the Holy Spirit to be revealing things to you, margin to, to without that hot, that constant stress, that high pressure. I mean, it is a, a preaching is, uh, we're not denying, it is a sacred burden. Mm-hmm. And unless you're doing it every week, people don't understand. And it feels like Sunday's always coming quicker. Uh, there's always a funeral. There's always a baptism. There's always a crisis counseling that needs to take place. And when you have this incredible margin now of 18 months, you've had time to think about text, to think about illustrations, to think about ideas. And so all of that energy that the average preacher is struggling with and focusing on and concentrating on in terms of what am I going to preach? Well, we know where we're going already. The roadmap is completely laid out. And so now there's room. And I think it makes for more effective preaching. And I like the fact that we balance it out, the kind of preaching that we do. So we go through books of the Bible, or like you said, we cover maybe doctrine or things that basic beliefs, or we do something on the family, or we do something on finances. So it kind of also allows for that rhythm to exist in a real structured way from the like other side of the pulpit perspective. I love that we do that because you get a variety of styles and you're not just one right. thing. And, and I think that's really important, Leslie. So let me just tell our listeners, every church and every pastor has to create your own rhythm for that that matches your personality and your gifts and your church. But here's what we basically do every single year. In January, we preach a series on finances where we talk about tithing and giving and generosity. And then from February through Easter, we preach through a book of the Bible, either an Old Testament or a New Testament book, and we try to have balance there. Palm Sunday and Easter, we preach on Palm Sunday and Easter every Mm -hmm. single year. We don't get really cute with it. We just preach about what happened the week before Jesus was crucified, about him being crucified and raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. And then we come back in and engage the book that we've been preaching through, Mm re-engage from the Sunday after Easter up until Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. And then the summer, we usually do about 10 weeks of a different kind of a series. So sometimes we may do topical series, like we've done uh, Heaven and Hell and Demons before. Mm -hmm. We do Maybe that's when we do a series on the family. So maybe topical, or we may preach rapidly through books of the Bible. Like last summer, we called it Summer in the Minors, Mm -hmm. and we preached through all of the minor prophets, one sermon per book. Mm -hmm. And then we'll come back in the fall, and again, we'll preach through a book of the Bible. And usually sometime in the fall, we have one more three or four week topical series on the family or 2019 we're doing a series on hospitality and how to use hospitality to to love your neighbors and and then, and then in the month of December we always preach on advent which again we don't get too cute with it we preach on the christmas story four weeks in a row in december and bernie i will just be fascinated about kind of your thoughts as you've gotten helped us shape all of this about the rhythm of preaching and how the preaching retreat helps us establish that. A couple of things, Jimmy. One thing is we're, we're sensitive to our faith family. We're sensitive to the people at our church. Since a lot of them travel in the summer, having a series like the Minor Prophets, where you're not necessarily building on every book, helps them understand that they're, they're still part of what's going on. If if they missed it, they can go online and, and catch up to it. And so I think that's that's helpful. The other thing I want to say is I'm sure some of the homiletical geeks like me 
that are listening are thinking, well, if they're going topical, maybe that means they're not biblical, they're not expository. All of our preaching is expositional. We're always looking and anchoring the big idea of our sermon from the text. So when we say topical, we're just saying we're looking at several texts, but we're always anchored. Our authority is always anchored in the text. But when we are going through a book of the Bible, like soon we'll be in the Psalms, right, Leslie? And then now we're in the book of Romans. We are building uh, week to week. I think the rhythm about that we get in the preaching retreat where we lay everything out helps us see our people are getting a balanced diet. Most preachers tend to zero in on their sweet spot. So Jimmy, Mm -hmm. you know, I did my PhD work on Paul. If I could, I would probably just preach the book of Romans for 10 years. (laughs) Right. You're not going to let me do that. (laughs) But but when we look at the spreadsheet with all of the dates and all of the big ideas, we could say, okay, we've spent a lot of time on Paul, on the New Testament. Let's switch gears. Let's go to the Old Testament now and see what we can develop there. So at this year's preaching retreat, about a month before it, I had been praying and just seeing what would be good. One of Jimmy's gifts is leadership. Mm -hmm. We know this. He's a strong leader. Everybody you talk to, uh, Dr. Moeller noticed this when he was probably a- a I've taught him a lot. uh, Yeah, (laughs) probably a (laughs) seminary student. That's why he hired him. And so every preacher, every pastor has sort of a a very high bandwidth in a specific area. Well, for Pastor Jimmy, it's leadership. And I thought, you know, we haven't done a series on leadership that really- capitalizes on that gift. Mm. And it's a great gift. It's a gift I wish I had, and I don't. I have uh, other ones. And so we thought, well, we don't want to preach about Jimmy. That's not going to be helpful. I'm sure he'd love it, (laughs) right? right. (laughs) Uh, So we thought, well, the book of Nehemiah is an incredible book on leadership. And so at that preaching retreat, uh, several of us had read Nehemiah several times, looked at some commentaries, and then we had a couple days, I think, where mm-hmm. we just laid out, hey, what are the topics? What are the needs? And we really leaned on Jimmy to speak into that series, where maybe another series, like our Roman series, I spoke into it. We're going to do the Psalms soon. And then, and so that's, I think that lays out sort of the, the culture and the tempo of how we look at preaching. I love that so much because sometimes the feedback people will say is, how do you, where's the Holy Spirit and all this? You've mentioned the Holy Spirit burning a couple of times, but you know, sometimes you get a pastor who gets up and says, well, I just feel like the Holy Spirit really wanted me to talk about this this week. Like I had this whole other sermon, but I threw that out because the Holy Spirit, but you know, we see the Holy Spirit at work through this process right. of our preaching retreat. He's right here right now. And when, when you mentioned in our Nehemiah series, and it's just coming together with some initiatives that we're going to do called an initiative called Relentless Pursuit. And this Nehemiah series, I don't think I've even had a chance to tell you this, is so perfect. It's just amazing. So I see the Holy Spirit at work through that. And I will put up our preaching um, spreadsheet for our listeners in our show notes. It's quite the uh, impressive document to see. So maybe I'll put up 2008 and then I'll put up 2018. It's a lot different. Because it's a lot different. No it's grown, but it really helps us you know, manage everything that happens through the preaching retreat and drive it out to our weekly preaching meeting, Jimmy, which is probably what we should talk about next. Yeah, our weekly preaching meeting is what we do. So once we lay this all out for 18 months, then we have a meeting every Tuesday afternoon that's listed to go for a couple of hours. 
And at that meeting, Bernie and I have already done quite a bit of work in commentaries and the original languages, and we've looked at this thing theologically. We already know what the main idea is because we determined that at the preaching retreat. Mm -hmm. We already know what the text is. We already are in the middle of a series. And so now we're going to have a meeting where we're going to actually lay out the points that we're all going to teach from uh, this coming Sunday. And so what we do is we have fill-in-the-blank points. We usually have three or four or five fill-in-the-blank points. And all of us, regardless of language, location, or whatever, we all use these points in our sermon. You say, well, that sounds kind of crazy because it seems like you're dictating what everybody has to preach. But Bernie, I don't feel that way. How about you? I don't I don't either because it's a collaborative meeting. Mm-hmm. And so we expect, we have a, a high standard of our preachers. We expect them to come in prepared. There's a time where we debrief on what happened last week, which is a great 10 to 15 minutes of a teachable moment where Jimmy can immediately speak into how our preachers are doing. And it's it's been really nice to see this develop, Leslie. This started at a restaurant nearby, a city diner or a sushi place. Mm-hmm. Jimmy was on his uh, fifth glass of Coke Zero. I was on my fifth <laughs> cup of coffee. Drinker. And it but it's interesting to see now it's we're still learning as we're going mm-hmm. as we're growing he can tell if one of our preachers is part maybe a little discouraged cuz sunday didn't go and and he knows when to sort of be a little lighter on him and encourage him and then he might say about some mistake he he made or something he missed out on or a sermon that just didn't work the way it want uh, it should have worked mm-hmm. and there's also a time where sort of he he ratchets it up but after that section in the meeting Everybody begins to contribute. We literally walk through the text, make sure all of our preachers' questions are answered. And there's a time where, hey, what do you guys think are the non-negotiable? So that's really their time to to speak up and speak into it. I did want to make one point about the Holy Spirit, because I can imagine the preacher that's sort of on his own, and he's thinking, wow, 18 months in advance, Mm -hmm. that almost sounds like they're locked into something. And that's really not the case. You're absolutely right, Leslie. The Holy Spirit had been guiding us the entire the entire uh, journey. But there have been times where, let's say, for example, there was a crisis situation in our town, mm-hmm. in our state, and in our country, and we are very quick to switch gears right. and develop and, and concentrate uh, and focus a, a big part of our services time in a Christian response to whatever took place. And Jimmy's always been really good That's at true. that. I remember that, yeah. Well, we always like to say that uh, we do have a preaching calendar and we have a schedule, but the schedule works for us. We don't That's work right. for, work That's for right. it. That's right. And so we reserve the right to change it or alter it or adjust it. But I would just say, even if I was by myself in a small church, I would still follow this method. Mm-hmm. I would plan 18 months ahead and if you have somebody to collaborate with you or to help you, I would do that. You know, if you guys are in some smaller or medium-sized churches or smaller or medium-sized towns, there's no reason why multiple churches and pastors who like each other and are mm-hmm. kind of like-minded couldn't do this exact same thing and just preach the same stuff. Uh, you might say, well, if I do that, what? You're afraid somebody's going to go here instead of him instead of you? It doesn't make to – me, to me, I like the collaborative model because there's so much horsepower. There's so many people that have all these different ideas and they've heard all these different sermons. They've read all these different books and had all these different experiences. And we get to come together and think about these things. To me, it deeply, deeply enriches the preaching event 
for me as the preacher, but also for the people who are listening. The reason that we do the fill in the blanks is one we think it's a good teaching tool for a lot of people. You know, we have a lot of unchurched and irreligious people coming to our churches. And so uh, we just want a simple, easy way for them to engage in the Bible study. But also it keeps all of our preachers on track. So you can use your own opening and your own closing and your own illustrations and your own personality but all of us are preaching the same text, same idea. We are going to fill in these same blanks in the same way. And it keeps all 11 of the family church campuses sort of on the same page. And then, Bernie, one of the things that you're really helpful in, because you're a, you're a professor of preaching. You're a, you're a student of preaching. You're like a preaching artist mm-hmm. in a way that I'm certainly not. Um, you help lead our quarterly preaching reviews. Why don't you talk to our listeners about that? So we focus on our sermons where we're working in ministry. And we focus on our preachers where we're working on ministry. So we want to develop them as men. We want to develop them as communicators, as leaders in their campuses, because we're investing in them. And this means a great deal to them that we don't just need them to uh, create some kind of output for us. We, we want them to get better. And so we will. I will get a recording of each of our 11 preachers that they record. They choose the message. I review the sermon and evaluate it, and we'll either evaluate it one-on-one like I did today with one of our preachers over lunch, or in our larger group setting, I'll share some strengths that they have in their preaching and then some areas that I think they could strengthen. So it's always coming from, look, nobody's hitting a home run every weekend. And if they are, they are either naive or young. (laughs) And so we think of preaching like uh, batting averages in baseball. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want our guys to think that they have to hit a home run every single Sunday, but we do want to help them get better. And so we'll meet, we'll evaluate, and we'll say, okay, out of all of these areas that we thought you can kind of work at, what are the top two things you want to improve on? So the guy I met with today wants to work on his conclusions. So we looked at some of the basics of uh, a good sermon conclusion reviews the sermon, challenges the listener, and does not introduce a new subject. That's a big no-no in any conclusion. You don't introduce anything new. Well, he was introducing some new images. So he's going to work on that. Mm -hmm. For his next sermon evaluation, all I'm going to look at is his conclusion. And so we'll do that with each of our preachers. We'll meet in Pastor Jimmy's conference room. We'll have some nice dinner. We'll watch sermon clips, and we'll all speak into everyone's sermon moment, everyone's video. I love that so much. We've talked previous podcast just a few weeks ago, Perny, about continuous improvement, because we've been through some of that this year as we've looked at our systems and our processes, but it also applies to our preaching, and you guys have been doing that for a long time. So that's just how we do you know, continuous improvement. We're always getting feedback. You know, the fact that they would want to go to lunch with you and ask for your feedback and receive your feedback and be willing to work on those things to get better. I think that's amazing. Well, that's it's, it's interesting. I, I don't think I, I know how to phrase it, but Jimmy attracts the kind of campus pastor preacher that's teachable mm. because he's teachable because he takes criticism and feedback from us and he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't respond with all authority and power. He receives it. And so all because he models it. So all of our guys receive it as well. Now, if you're in a, a small rural context and you don't have the opportunity to have another preacher speaking to you, well, one point I want to make is Jimmy said, hey, get together with another preacher in your neighborhood and talk about this stuff maybe once a month. 
Well, before I met Jimmy, I thought, well, no, he's my competitor. Why on earth would I do that? His approach to ministry is different. When he says building the kingdom, he really means build the kingdom. Mm. And so if one of our neighborhood churches wins, that's a win for us. And if they're struggling, well, then we're struggling. But if you don't have that opportunity, all of us, and if you're listening and you're a pastor, gets feedback after a Sunday sermon. And we usually say thank you and and let the next person sort of move on. But if you develop a culture of being teachable, like you mentioned, Leslie, you want to actually take advantage of that opportunity and say, hey, tell me why you thought that was a good sermon. Now, at first, they might feel uncomfortable and look down and just say something and run out of your church and get in their car. But eventually, you're going to develop a culture where you help them understand, hey, he actually wants my feedback. And so we'll often tell people at our gardens campus, hey, tell me what you heard. What was what was clear? What wasn't clear? What could we have done a little bit better in that message? And so if you don't have a, an entire preaching team, you could have a focus group made up of godly people in your church to help you get that sort of feedback. That's really good. Yeah. You know, another thing that's that's true today is you, you just have such an easy use of technology. So regardless of the size of your church, if you have a phone, mm-hmm. you could literally, or an iPad, you can literally set it up on the front row of your church and video yourself preaching and then have someone else watch it for you. I mean, it's really inexpensive to do. Easy. You send it over email. I mean, the, the, today's technology okay. makes it so simple. There's really no excuse for any preacher not getting coached. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get coached. And so Katie Cole, who's on the podcast with us from time to time, coaches me on communication. Herschel York, one of our preaching professors at Southern Seminary, has coached me from time to time. You know, one time when I was a youth pastor, I actually had a guy who worked for Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm not making this up. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken, he trained managers in making corporate presentations. He coached me. I asked him to come coach me on my preaching. And even though he had never preached a sermon in his life, he was an expert at platform communication. And some of the things he told me were so helpful. And so it doesn't really matter whether you're in a big church, a small church, or what your environment is. Use technology. Use people who are good at communication to help you get better. And you might say, yeah, but none of these people can preach as good as me. You know, I always say, none of the coaches for the New England Patriots can play quarterback as good as Tom Brady, but they still coach him. Tiger Woods swing coach can't hit the golf ball as far as Tiger Woods, but he still coaches him. You can get a coach. They don't have to be able to do it better than you to help you do it better yourself. And so I think that's so important. That's part of our process here at Family Church. Hey, look, this is church for the rest of us. You may not have multiple campuses. You may not have a preaching team, but you can do this with the resources that you have in your church. Mm -hmm. So start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And that's also why we have our Sharper Conference every spring, and we're all in this together. We're learning from each other, and I want to meet you face-to-face personally in March. And so I'd like you to go online at sharperconference.com, register now, and if you do, you save money. So go to our website, sharperconference.com, and I look forward to meeting you in person March the 7th. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.